Gracious God, on this glorious morning, what a joy it is to remember all of the people who have worshipped here in this sanctuary, the many hundreds and even thousands, and in this community have grown in their love for you and for their neighbor as themselves. We pray that you would give us a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit here this morning so that we might as well grow in these twin loves. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So back in the 1990s when I was a pastoral intern at 8th Street Mennonite Church, I got to participate in my very first funeral. And after the funeral, uh, my supervising pastor, some of you know him, he was your pastor once, Myron Schrag. He uh, probably wanted to teach me a little bit more, and so he said, okay, Todd, on the way to the cemetery, you get to ride shotgun in the front of the hearse, in front of the casket. How many of you have ever ridden in the front of a hearse in front of the casket? (laughs) Well, I hadn't either. And I got into that front seat with a fair bit of trepidation. Uh, This was a brand new experience for someone in his mid-30s. And then as our procession rolled northward on 8th Street, we went by Chandler Elementary School and uh, it was recess, and right at that moment, all the kids suddenly stopped their play, ran to the fence, and solemnly waved at us as we passed by. (laughs) And I remember distinctly right at that very moment, thinking, Todd, a day is coming when you're not going to be riding in the front seat of this black Cadillac. Nor will you be able to wave back at those kids. Now, the fact that uh, I am not going to live forever is not headline news, I'm sure, to you. But, you know, I was someone uh, just in my middle 30s, and this was a very new idea for me to contemplate in my life. I was beginning, as it says in Psalm 90, to just begin to grow in the kind of wisdom that we receive when we begin to count our days and to know that our days on this earth are not numberless. Later, when I was called to be a pastor and started to attend every single funeral that our church had, no big surprise there since I was officiating at them, I came to yet another new discovery. Most of the things that you and I spend our whole lives chasing after in life never get mentioned in death. Let me say that again. Most of the things that you and I chase after in this life spend our time being preoccupied, preoccupied about 
in life are not mentioned in death. At funerals, we almost never hear about the size of someone's house or car. We almost never hear about the titles in front of someone's name, their professional credentials or their degrees, the number of hours that they worked, or the size of their retirement account. No, dear friends, what gets mentioned at funerals, I began to notice, are the two things, are the two things that Jesus talks about in Matthew 22 today. How well did we love God? And how well did we love our neighbor as ourselves? Is love or was love the orientation of this person's life? As a pastor, I soon learned that the most difficult funerals to lead are those where these two loves, these twin loves, are hard to find. Ever been at a funeral? where the love of God and the love of neighbor were absent, those are hard, hard funerals. And I also discovered that when those two loves are present in somebody's life, there can be great joy and celebration even in the midst of our grieving and sadness. Here at East Chestnut last Sunday afternoon, there was great celebration as we gathered here to thank God for the faithful life of Luke Wenger, a member, a dear member of our church. His life had impacted so many people, and our sanctuary was fuller than I've ever seen it before. We had to even put seats up back in the in the lobby back there. It was filled to the gills. And did you notice how even creation seemed to be celebrating with us in that moment? There were beams of late afternoon light streaming through the trees, the leaves have they moved, and the light was dancing all around the sanctuary. There are benefits to sitting up here. I get to see those things. And Luke's life reminded all of us yet again that our love for God and for our neighbor are the only two things, the only two things that we can take with us into eternity. We often say you can't take it with you, but the love of God And the love of all those around us, these are portable. So dear friends, are you living your life right now oriented toward the love of God and the love of neighbor? And how might the Holy Spirit be speaking to you even in this very moment, helping you to reorient yourself about some issue or struggle that you're thinking about even right here. And that is before you in the week ahead.
and to live differently. Here we see the great power of the gospel and how it continues to transform us to our last breath. Now, when I was younger, I thought that attending funerals was not at all important. In fact, I thought it was just a little bit morbid. Thank you very much. But then, as a pastor, I started noticing that some people in my first church kept faithfully showing up, showing up for every single funeral. And I slowly began to realize it dawned on me that for them, going to funerals was a very important spiritual discipline. I thought there was no reason to go to anybody's funeral in the church if I didn't know them very well. Ever said that? Oh, I didn't know them very well. I didn't go. But these dear, wise people taught me that attending people's funerals and being physically there for their families is one of the crucial ways that we can be church, be Christ for one another. After all, at the very center of our faith is a story of how God showed up for us in Jesus Christ. Funerals are also important for us. They teach us to remember that our days on this earth are numbered and to reorient our lives toward what in the end is eternally precious, our love of God and neighbor as ourselves. And going to funerals also helps us to begin to discover and to contemplate this great reality of the vast communion of saints encompassing, encompassing those who have gone on before us, those who are here with us, and even those who are yet to come. We are all part of the great communion of saints. And in the Apostles' Creed today, we affirmed that mystery. Hebrews 12.1 calls it the great cloud of witnesses. It's the community of believers from every age, past, present, and future. Or as we sang today, it's the fellowship of friends on earth and friends above. In Revelation 7 today, we're given this breathtaking vision, glimpse of the communion of saints and what this will look like someday. In John's vision, people from every nation, tribe and language will be gathered around the throne of God in worship. We'll be singing our praises to the Lamb, to the Christ who conquered evil and death with His self-giving love and brought us all into God's kingdom of shalom. And then John's vision ends with God tenderly wiping away 
all the tears that we have shed in this life. Whether tears from persecution, tears from from inexplicable loss, tears caused by suffering, caused by others, and tears caused by our own terrible mistakes. Revelation 7.17 says, God will wipe away all of these tears from our eyes. And the good news, I believe, that we glimpse in this passage is that all of our life stories will finally come to an end with God. God is our final destination. God is our final destination. And after God's goodness and mercy have followed us all the days of our lives, we will finally dwell in the house and in the presence of the Lord forever. And in God's loving presence, our joy will finally be complete. It's at this time in the church around the world that Christians pause to thank God for and to remember those who have gone on before us and who now cheer us from the balconies of heaven. When you and I think of a saint, I think we often think of an elite super-Christian who never seems to struggle with the anger and greed and lust or doubt that seem to cling so closely for the rest of us, right? But in Scripture, the call to be a saint is the call for all people. The book of Romans, for example, begins with these words, to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints. And I think it's helpful to remember that saints in the original New Testament Greek simply means holy one. And that this holiness comes not from us, but from the holy God with whom we are in relationship. In the Bible, saint is not an elite category, but a relational category. In other words, we're not saints because of how good and holy we are. We are saints because of how good and holy God is. The one in whom we are all in relationship. And by God's grace... God doesn't love us because we are good, but we are able to be good because of how much God loves us. And as we learned in our recent series about the early church, 
The Bible is not the story of the achievements of extraordinary people, but it is the story of the extraordinary impact of God's transforming love and grace on ordinary people like you and like me. And this morning we want to give thanks in a special way for those people in our lives who have helped us to connect with this good and loving God. Whether for the first time or in some deeper way. A true follower of Jesus, it's been said, is invariably someone who has first met one. Are you with me? We are all followers of Jesus because we met true followers of Jesus. And it was so beautiful that we had to, everything had to change. And today we also want to remember our own high calling to be that true disciple through whom others meet Christ for the very first time as well. Each of us can be that person through whom God begins to transform a life. So dear friends this morning, who are the saints in your spiritual hall of fame? And we invite you now to come forward to light a candle for one of the saints here at East Chestnut or for a beloved family member whom you're especially missing this morning or for that person who helped you to connect with God in a deeper way or maybe for the very first time. We invite you to come down the center aisle and then to stream out back to your seats through the outer aisles. And children, you are welcome to come forward to light a candle with your parent or grandparent. So this morning, We light candles for beloved members in our congregation who have returned home to God this past year. We light a candle for Paul Hostler. We light a candle for Elmira Snader. 
We light a candle for Jean Sconyers. We light a candle for David Gaiman. We light a candle for Selena Stauffer. We light a candle for Luke Wenger. And we light a candle for Ada Lehman. Please come as the Spirit leads you.